the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, Jesus. Really glad you're here to worship with us today, uh, to celebrate Christmas with us. Uh, we're grateful to have this opportunity just to take a few minutes in the midst of a busy uh, couple of days here to just focus on Jesus. I know for some of you this might be more of a tradition than anything else. Um, maybe your parents brought you to Christmas services growing up, and, and now you do that with your kids, or you still do it to honor your parents or your grandparents. Uh, if that describes you and you haven't, uh, maybe we haven't seen you since last Christmas or maybe since Easter, uh, welcome back. We're glad you're here, and uh, we're, we just are, are glad and honored that you've made this part of your Christmas celebration. I know we have a lot of different traditions uh, this time of year, like Christmas trees, for instance. That's probably the most common tradition for us in North America. I was reading a few weeks ago that 77% of households in the U.S. put up a Christmas tree. I'm curious if you're in the 23% that just can't be bothered, okay? Oh, it's interesting. 81% of, you're like, the trees are all outside, look at them all. 81% of people use, 81% of people use artificial trees, and 19% put up real Christmas trees. It's interesting to me that those who put up artificial trees don't usually have a problem at all with those who put up a real tree, but somehow, statistics say, 95% of people who put up a real tree take issue with those of us who put up an artificial tree. I just made that number up, but it just feels like it, like it's sacrilege of some kind, right? So I'm just curious, real, right, that's just, let's just, I know it's all about, you know, coming together and being unified, and, but let's just... Let's just look at this. Let's just see how far we can divide this thing. How many of you put up a real tree? How many of you put up an artificial tree? Oh, that, wow, that, ooh, that, interesting. And then the rest of you just aren't really into it. Um, the second most common tradition is we give gifts and we receive gifts. Hopefully you have your shopping done because you don't want to be going to Walmart and Walgreens after church today. It's not going to go well. Um, most of us have that taken care of. I don't know, uh, you know what kinds of things you get. Uh, I'm at that age now where last year I got some sweet nose hair clippers, and uh, that was really thoughtful and uh, seemed a little passive-aggressive, but um, I guess that's a tradition now for me, so I'm looking forward to what that's going to bring tomorrow. There are movies we watch. How many of you watch movies at Christmas time? Like every year you watch the same movie or movies. I'm just curious. How many of you? Okay. Uh, so according to Forbes magazine, the most watched Christmas movies last year, 2022. So maybe we do a show of hands again if these are the movies you watch every year. Number one. Anybody want to guess? National, that, wrong. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Okay. How many of you watch that every year? Okay. Number two, Home Alone. That's still a thing. Okay. So politically incorrect, but still very engaging. Number three is Elf. And I'm in view for Elf. There's so much I want to say. Number four, A Christmas Story. How many of you watch A Christmas Story? Okay. 
Number five is how the Grinch stole Christmas. Okay. And all the way down at number eight is Die Hard. <laughs> so there's a few people who still believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So again, we're going uh, to have a board meeting about that afterwards and make a, an official, take an official position on this. I'm not sure how Jim Henson's uh, Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas didn't make it. That's, my, that's kind of our family tradition. That's what's wrong with America these days. We're not watching Emmett Otter. So one of, you get to check it out. One of the traditions you may have had, and probably a lot of us had when you were uh, growing up, is we would set out a nativity scene, kind of maybe like this, uh, which leads me to what we want to talk about today. Because as we look at the characters in this nativity scene, um, we, we, I think we just need to stop and think about how surprising and unexpected some of these characters are. So you always, have, you always have Jesus in the manger, right? You, that's the centerpiece of the nativity scene. This is the Son of God. Well, there's not this literally. This represents the Son of God in human flesh, helpless newborn in a filthy animal feeding trough. All right, so we got, and he's, here he's got a nice blanket. That's nice. He's got a quilt for Christmas. His mother Mary, of course, is always there. She always has her hands folded and her head bowed a little bit. So just enjoying, I guess, a moment of silence with a newborn. I don't know. Um, we don't know a lot about her. And then you got Joseph. We know even less about Joseph, I think. And then it's kind of surprising, Mary and Joseph. You think we know a lot, of, have a lot of backstory on these characters? It's very just kind of simple. It's a, it's, they're they're kind of poor. Is a poor teenage girl. Uh, didn't come from any means or family of influence. And then there's Joseph. What we, all we know about him really is he was a carpenter. And if you think that means he was out in his shop toiling with wood, it probably went more likely he was like a stonemason. Um, but we do know he was from Bethlehem um, and because there was a census being taken and everyone had to go back to their hometown for the census. So that's about all we know about Mary and Joseph. And it, just think about this. So Mary's in the final days of her first pregnancy and they're coming back to Joseph's hometown. It seems that someone in Joseph's family would have offered them a place to stay, right? Like, I don't know how things work in your family. Or maybe you can identify with this. I don't know. But, uh, but no, they have to get a room for the night. Like, but with this, this influx of people who are coming for the census, there aren't any rooms. And at least, at least the scripture says there aren't any rooms for them. There aren't any, I read it like this, there aren't any rooms for the likes of them. There aren't any rooms for the likes of Joseph and his pregnant fiance. It was, it was more about the scandal of their situation in this culture than it was about there being no vacancy. So desperate times call for desperate measures. They spend the night in a stable. It was actually more like a cave where animals would shelter. Uh, not what you'd expect for the Son of God making his appearance on planet Earth. Then, of course, every scene includes at least one shepherd. We know this is a shepherd because he has this little... Uh, that doesn't look like, anyway, I don't know how you wrangle sheep with that, but anyway, um, I don't think you wrangle sheep. The shepherds were the first to hear the news that Jesus, uh, the promised Messiah, was born. Not at all what you would expect uh, to be happening here. Not at all the group of people you would expect to be on the receiving end of this kind of news. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that the angels appeared to the shepherds, and the angels said to the shepherds that they bring good news of great joy. That's for who? All the people. Good news of great joy for all people. So the idea that the shepherds were the first to be told about this is making the point that it's for, if it's for the shepherds, it's for everybody. Because the shepherds were not highly thought of. They weren't well regarded. In fact, 
It's interesting, they weren't even allowed to be a witness in a court proceeding. The religious leaders had decided that they were ceremonially unclean, which is really ironic because they were raising the very sheep that were often used in their, their sacrificial system of worship. But they weren't qualified to function fully in their own community. They couldn't worship with the rest of their community or even with their families. Shepherds were some of the last people that you would think would get an invitation to a front row seat of the birth of the Son of God. But the point that's being made by the shepherd's presence is that it's for everyone. It's not just good news of great joy for some people. It's not just for the well thought of and the well behaved and the well regarded. It's not just for the well educated. It's not just for the squeaky, queen, clean, religious people. It's not, it's not for some people. It's for all people. Every nativity scene includes um, exactly how many wise men? Three. Because we find that, of course, nowhere in the Bible. But that's not a big deal. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not offended by it. And like, we're just in keeping with tradition, we got the three because apparently each of them can only carry one gift. I think that's the whole problem because there are three gifts, so there have to be three wise men. The, um, the scripture doesn't say how many. It just says some wise men. And, uh, so, and, and here's the other thing. Like, we know the wise men... First of all, this guy ate well. We know that. And uh, look at that dude. And uh, the, the wise men, sorry. I just imagine what he's got in that little trunk right there. I think it's Snickers or something. But anyway, I digress. We know the wise men actually came much later in the story, right? They, we, we, they, didn't, they never saw Jesus as a baby in a manger, okay? It was probably at least two years later that they show up and, and visit uh, Jesus and his family. But we include him in the scene because it's representative. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's not going to hang up on that. What's interesting about the wise men is they were not part of God's chosen people in the Old Testament. Like, they weren't part of the nation of Israel, so you wouldn't think that it would even matter to them that somehow there's this thing happening that seems to be fulfillment of Jewish prophecy. So somehow they had studied Jewish prophecy and they put all these pieces together and they followed this newly discovered star and somehow all of this mattered to them too, which I find really interesting. So you just kind of look around at this collection of people at the, in the, at the nativity scene and there's this sense of belonging. Like it's for everybody. Everyone gets an invitation. Jesus came for everyone, and that's the good news. So Christmas is for you. It's for everyone. The Bible makes it clear that even though like, we're all very different from one another, so if you've just kind of haven't, you just settled in and started staring straight ahead, just look around the room right now. Just look at the people around you and how different they all look. <laughs> Some more different than others, but we will uh, look. Or you can just keep staring at me. That's fine. I'm, comfort- I'm totally fine with that. Here's the thing, as different as we all are, as different as our stories are and our backgrounds and whatever the kind of stuff it is that we carry around, um, we all need a savior. We all need to be rescued. We have all sinned, fallen short of God's standard, and we don't have to live in guilt and shame. The Bible says God has given us the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus, that when you put your trust in Jesus, you have the hope, you have this joy, you get to live in the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. That's a pretty good deal. Paul, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, he says, we are sure that Christ died for everyone. I love that verse. It's like He's like, let me just summarize this whole thing that I'm talking about. We are sure that Christ died for everyone. So when we see this nativity scene and this, this traditional depiction of that first Christmas, 
it's, it should be a reminder to you that you're included. You're invited. This is for everyone. 1 John 10, verse 10. Jesus himself says, he says, you want to know why I've come? I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Life to the full. The life that God wants you to live, the life that you were created to live, Jesus says, I've come so you can experience all of that. But if you look at, if you look at this verse, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, it's, there, it's like there's an ellipsis before the sentence begins. You remember the, from grammar class, the ellipsis, the three dots that we like to use in our text messages? Um, it's, it's used to indicate that a word or perhaps a series of words is, maybe has been omitted. And, and sometimes what's missing is really uh, significant, like it can change the whole meaning of it. So that's true here in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, you may have it to the full, but it's not the whole sentence. So here's how the verse actually begins. Here's the whole verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So here's the point. We have an enemy. Like, we have an enemy of our souls. And the enemy comes to bring destruction and death. But Jesus says, I have come, though, that you may have life. And over and over, the Bible kind of warns us about the reality of this enemy of our souls, this enemy who is deceiver that loves to tell us lies, this, that like lying is his native tongue. He's always lying, promising us things that can't deliver, telling you that you're somehow missing out, convincing you to be selfish and to make your life about pleasure. So the enemy's always trying to distract us, distracting us from, from thinking about things that really matter, that keep us like, kind of from thinking about things from an eternal perspective makes us, like, keeps us from looking in the mirror and asking questions that really matter. Like, why am I here, right? Why am I really here? Who am I really? What happens when I breathe my last? It's all these things that in and of themselves aren't necessarily wrong or even evil, but they just consume us so that we don't stop and think about what really matters and what really lasts. So if you find yourself in this Christmas season living in this deception and darkness, living with this constant state of distraction or discouragement, the Christmas story is, a, is good news of great joy. The baby in the manger is the son of God in human flesh. He's come to rescue us from the enemy of our eternal souls, to defeat the enemy once and for all, to give us new life, life to the full. And when we live lives in devotion to a Savior, who invites us to live life to the full, it changes how we live. It should mean that we live with more intentionality. It should mean that we're not distracted constantly, like by our, I don't know, screens, or by our responsibilities, or by the stressors of life. It should mean that we're not always pursuing pleasure, but we're stopping, we're thinking about what really matters, what really lasts, and that we're living intentionally. It means that we live with this expectancy, that we understand that we're not just here to celebrate that Jesus came, but we are here to respond to his call on our lives to live in a way, in the way that Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount, that we would do good works and that our good works would bring glory to our Heavenly Father. It's not just celebrating that Jesus came, but understanding that his coming changes how we live right now. It changes the hope that we have. It changes the peace that we live with. It changes the joy that can be ours. Christmas changes everything.
because we know the rest of the story. It means that we live intentionally. It means that we live expectantly. It means that we live with a victorious spirit because we know that Christ has come to bring great joy to all people. So if this is just a tradition for you, I want to challenge you to stop for a moment on this Christmas Eve and consider that everything, everything hangs in the balance. That your life here on earth is meant to be lived with Jesus at the center so that you can live life to the full. That every breath that you take is meant to be breathed with eternity in mind. And yeah, Jesus came as a baby. We celebrate that this week. And he did, but here's the thing, like he didn't remain a baby. He grew up, became a man. He was God in human form. He taught us and showed us what it is to live life according to God's purpose, to live life to the full. In his sacrifice on the cross, he deals with our sin issue once and for all, that sin issue that kept us separated from God. He made a way for us to know the forgiveness of God, to live in relationship with him now and forever. So maybe this is a tradition, this thing we do on this Sunday. I just want you to hear, you, he, I want you to hear me say this, this really important, simple thing. Like, it's all real. Like, it's real. Like, we believe it's real. And it should change everything about how we live our lives in the here and now. And so we, like, we want to sing, and we want to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we also want to declare that he is king of kings, he's lord of lords, and he's the master of our lives. And we're going to stand together in a few minutes and do that together. Thank you for listening. Uh, if these last few minutes have helped you, maybe realize maybe you need to take a next step with Jesus, uh, we'd love to help you with that. You can connect with us in a private message on Facebook. You can use the QR code on the seat back near you. There's a link right there to, set, to connect on our Connect card. Take a minute, fill out a connect card that's in a seat back by you. Just some, one of those ways, let us know about a spiritual decision or questions you might have. We'd love to engage in more conversation uh, with you. Emmanuel, I've heard about you. Born in 